What is going on, everybody? And welcome to this week's edition of the post game show here on the Cold Front Report. I'm joined as usual by my partner, Travis Blakesley. We are without Jeremy Turner Montgomery tonight, but we will we'll carry the load. Travis, it was a fun game to watch today. It was an even more fun game to be at. How are you doing today, man? What's going on, Clayton? Uh, happy New Year. Uh, everything's great. Good to uh, punch a ticket to postseason. Now let's get the division next week. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was kind of, um, you were, we were talking before we came live, and it was a bit of a different game today. It, it felt weird. There were some, there were highs, there were lows, there was adversity, there was adjustments, and there was execution on those adjustments. Um, it, it was a game that was a little bit of everywhere, and one that could take fans any which way. You know, people could be optimistic, people could be pessimistic, and look at all the negative aspects of this game and come, that, that they could come away from. But at the end of the day, a win's a win, and the Bills clinch their fourth playoff berth in five years and the third and the third straight in the last three years. Um, Travis, what were your overall thoughts on this game in general today? And then, then we'll dive in and talk about the bills offense. Well, overall, you know, you, when you're, uh, when your go-to game plan is not working and you can find another way to win, that's always great. It was awesome seeing the run game um, really overperform. You know, especially that last drive where they know they're running, we're going to run the ball, and we're we're able to do it at will. Uh, really, to be able to build build upon what we saw last week, um, it was a game where Allen was on that first drive or two. Um, you thought it was going to be one of those games that uh, you know he was just throwing darts all over, and we hit some adversity, turned the ball over. But like we said in the pre-show, if you can turn the ball over twice or three times, muff a punt on the goal line and still win by two scores. Uh, not a bad day in the office. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, it, th- this offense, it, it's the second of the last three games that they've really kind of ran Josh Allen like they did today. Um, I, I, I don't know. There's various different opinions on how people feel about running a quarterback or running the Bills quarterback in particular, Josh Allen. Um, and and they've, they've stretched throughout the entirety of his career whether it be the design runs from his rookie year going into 2019 to last year to this year at this point, um, when, he, when he is a huge component, word, quote unquote, that, that's w- what Sean McDermott refers to him as when, when uh, referring to Josh Allen and, his, and, and what he brings to the Bills' rushing attack. Um, he, he's a huge component for this team, and, he, and he's honestly one of their best rushers. He's, he is the best carrier of the football of those three running backs. I mean, he's not, he's not super fast, but he – he is an athletic quarterback, and it's something that teams must account for when you play the Buffalo Bills. And his athleticism is really what sets him apart as a quarterback. Did he have a great day passing today? Absolutely not. Statistically speaking, when you talk about an 11-for-26 game where he throws three interceptions, no touchdowns, you know that, that's a pretty bad game statistically for, for his passing statistics. But at the end of the day, you know the Bills' offense did what they needed to do and they, the Bills executed in the second half after making adjustments in the first half. Um, you know, th- this rushing attack, they didn't really have a focal point on the running game in the whole first half. If I, if I recall correctly, Devin Singletary only had a handful of carries, two or three is the number that sticks out in my mind. And, you know, you saw him throw two interceptions, one that was tipped, one that was a hero ball play, one that, you know, it, it just happens, and the other one that kind of just happens. Uh, we, we, we've talked about those sort of plays for Josh Allen throughout his career. The, the, um, the, the hero ball plays where he rolls out and he tries to make a play. And this one just happened to be intercepted. Um, Travis, are you really concerned about how much the quarterback turned the ball over today? Uh, I'm, I'm not. I mean, we've seen, we've seen games like this, um, whether or not we're on the winning end or the, the losing end, that's, that's usually a toss up. Uh, Josh Allen is a kind of guy who, inevitably is going to extend plays and more times than not, he makes plays. I mean, most of his, uh, highlight real plays, uh, he, he's, he's stepping up in the plot pocket. He's moving around. He's, uh, booting to the right side. He's, he's giving himself extra time to make plays and the, the, the pendulum swing both, both ways. And, you know, every now and then you see a ball that might be intercepted and is dropped. Uh, you, you see, uh, an ill-advised throw and it goes through a guy's hand. Well, unfortunately today, uh, we didn't get any of those bounces and, and basically every mistake that Allen made or, or every time he put the ball in harm's way, uh, it cost us. Uh, what I think was great was 
this was recognized and the direction of the play calling and the style of offense changed. They realized after three turnovers, I mean, if, if you have three turnovers and you're playing on borrowed time and they knew that they had to protect the ball while continue to score. So it, it looked like their, their mind, mind, their mindset kind of shifted. And as far as that's concerned, but no, overall, uh, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. This is what Josh Allen does. Uh, I think he could have approached it a little differently. I, th- I think he could have took took that that third, the first one. Uh, it was third and ten. He tried to make something happen, just throw it away, like he has been most of the year, and uh, take three. I, I think he was getting a little greedy. I think they wanted to put fifty up on the board, and they could have easily done it. But uh, like I said, uh, the turnovers cost them, and it got to a point where they really needed to protect that uh, small lead once they. Uh, were able to score after halftime. And not to mention, I, I was really left very optimistic of how the Bills' rushing attack looked today, not including how Josh Allen ran the ball. Because we all know, as I said at the onset of the show, he can run the ball. He, he's a dynamic player with the football in his hands when he's a ball carrier. Um, but how Devin Singletary looked today in particular and how this, run, how this offensive line looked blocking for Devin Singletary and, and, and even Zach Moss at times in, in a limited capacity in comparison to Devin Singletary um, you know, they, they look different today and, you know, it leaves me very, uh, very optimistic, but at the same time wondering why wasn't that the plan from the start? Um, why were they so timid at giving Devin Singletary carries to begin this game? Because, you know, once they started feeding him the ball, he was getting three, four, five, six yards a pop almost every single time he touched the football. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily, um, it wasn't big chunk play offense, but it was efficient. It was clock controlling. It was it, it was ball controlling. It was a really it, it wasn't something that I've seen this team be able to do for certain durations of the season. Um, be able to control the game on the ground, be able to control the clock throughout the whole game. Um, really just maintain possession and maintain the line of scrimmage. Which this is the second game in a row now where I come on the post game show and we talk about the Bills possessing and maintaining the line of scrimmage for the entirety of a football game. And it, it was the second game in a row that they start Ryan Bates at left guard. And this offensive line looked great in run blocking. They look good in the run fits. And they looked even better in their pass pro. Um, Travis, how did you feel about this Bills offensive line? Did you think they did, did, they did a good job today? Um, do you think this is really the front that they're going to go on with going into the playoffs? Well, you summed it up very well um, these last two weeks where they're able to control the line of scrimmage. Uh, you made a point earlier asking and you were wondering why we haven't gone to the run specifically Singletary and I just think the offensive line really didn't have their shit together in the beginning of the season what we're not seeing is we're not seeing those negative plays and that that's huge you know even if you only get a one yard run that doesn't blow up your down and distance we're getting favorable down and distances and whether it's the run to set up the pass or vice versa i think the offensive line is really queuing in on who they need to block and the scheme has shown i think we're seeing a lot more gap running and you know that that might be the uh the difference you know it's hard to see from the broadcast view but the offensive line certainly is one blocking the right guys and two i think they're asserting themselves which is something that we were sorely lacking in the first i don't know two-thirds of the season so the offensive line as a whole two back-to-back great weeks i I think that the two best weeks i mean the pass protection was flawless i don't believe they had a sack on allen and uh you know there i saw a couple times from the broadcast view where Mitch Morris has no one to block and he slides down the entire line of scrimmage and picks up, picks up the end man. It's really cool to see because usually, you know, you, you, you block the, the, the farthest guy down on the line of scrimmage, but they're moving around and they're picking up um, blitzers or just stunts that were really eating us alive early on in the season. So it's, it's coming together and I think it's going to be huge in the, in the, the postseason. Everyone says you need to run the ball. Um, and if you're able to run the ball when your quarterback doesn't have, you know, his stuff that day and you can and you can win, that's that's a formula for success uh, for any team in the playoffs, if you ask me. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people are asking in the comment section the status of Ryan Bates as he left the game on the Bills final series. And so did Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs was rattled on, on that series as well. So um, from what I could see, it looked like Ryan Bates was all right. They put him in the tent. Did he walk looked- off? He walked on off and he, okay. he walked off under, under his own power off the field. He walked off under his own power off the field at the end of the game. 
he was on the sideline. I was watching him stretch. I was watching him. You know, he went through some. Uh, uh, he, yeah, he went through some stretches, and he uh, was working out. It looked like his uh, his right hamstring slash knee, and he looked all right. You know, he, he he was running up and down the sideline. He was just stretching it out, and he looked all right. It looked like something they're definitely going to monitor in this upcoming week. Um, but you know, I'm no doctor. I'm not going to sit here and say definitively whether or not Ryan Bates is going to be available next week, or whether they're going to kind of try and save him for the playoffs because it's abundantly clear that this is their best five. It's abundantly clear that this offensive line pairing that they have chosen over the last two games gives them a huge advantage along the interior. Um, The one thing that I think this offensive line really misses and really had had missed throughout the duration of this season and even last year to a certain extent um, was the communication that Quentin Spain provided at that position at left guard. You know, it's one thing to have a center who, who that's his job. It's the center's job to know what everybody on that line is doing, knowing what they're supposed to do, uh, knowing the calls from the quarterback. That's part of being the center. Um, it's another thing when you have interior offensive linemen, which obviously they're going to have to communicate with the guys next to them. And there's going to have to be some sort of communication going on. But it's another thing to have a center minded guard. And if that makes sense, these guys who like to talk, who like to speak up, and, and such is Quentin Spain. Quentin Spain is no exception to that. Quentin Spain, it, it, it was um, said quite adamantly about how well he was at communicating up on the offensive line. And I think when they lost Quentin Spain, they lost a bit of that synergy up front. They lost a bit of that chemistry up front. And I can't really reinforce enough how important that is for a starting offensive line in any single level of football, professionally, amateurly, uh, at the high school level. It doesn't matter. Having synergy and chemistry up front is a big deal, and it pays dividends at the end of the day. And this offensive line, you know, as I said, they maintain possession of the line of scrimmage. They big boyed the defense of the Atlanta Falcons, and they didn't come to play today. That they, they came to win today. That offensive line, they continue to look good. They continue to look like a Super Bowl, cal- a Super Bowl caliber offensive line with the quarterback back there and the line in front of them. This offense can win a Super Bowl with the way the offensive line has played the last two weeks and the way they've imposed their will in the rushing attack. It leaves me nothing but optimistic for this offense. And it's it's crazy coming out of this game, speaking in such a manner, considering we turned the ball over today four times. And but like it, it, the, the offense left points on the board, and they still won by two possessions. Um, you know, they're, they're playing efficiently. The, the couple things that need to be cleaned up, such as the interceptions, I think, you know, the – they're not arbitrarily, or they're not arbitrary. They're not binary. They're, the, the interceptions that happen, they're fixable problems. As we said, two of the balls were tipped. I'm not sitting up here making excuses, but these are things that happen in football. Balls get tipped, and they go to certain players. When the ball gets tipped, it could go to blue, it could go to white. That's the way it works. You know, it, you never really know how the ball is going to flow, and that's really that, that. That's the game, baby. That's the way it, it, it happens. And um, this offense, looking as efficient as it has, looking as good as it has, as um, stable as it has, you know, not really having those negative plays really has done wonders for the efficiency, for for just overall the output and production of this offense. You know, to, uh, over 30 first downs today, 29 last week. This offense is doing their job. They didn't punt today, but I don't. I, I really didn't want to come on here and say anything about the punt thing because, um, you know, he threw three interceptions. If you didn't turn that ball over three times, I. You don't know. I believe there was one they were in the scoring. They were in scoring position, but you never really know when they would punt the ball away. Um, overall, for this offense, I, I'm left very optimistic for where they could go. Uh, Travis, how, how how do you really feel about the, the direction for this offense? Do you feel confident in the Bills' rushing attack? And do you think do you think Brian Dable is going to instill a little more faith in Devin Singletary as the weeks go on, or do you think we're going to have to deal with the same thing every week, where you know it, it almost gets on the verge of? You know, this offense is looking very erratic almost. And then they start running the football and they start to even out their plays and their play sheet. And they look two-dimensional rather than one-dimensional. It makes this offense just go to another level. Uh, what what direction do you really feel they're going to go in? Well, I think they're always going to try to be a pass-first offense. And then when it doesn't work, you know, we saw the adjustment at halftime. And, you know, we did come out and turn the ball over again. But you saw a conservative effort to either take what the defense is giving you or just, uh, you know, establish the run. Um, I don't, I'm not concerned at all. I think really what this offense comes down to is just, do they have it that day? You know, if we're going to make a run, it, it has nothing to do with 
the talent on the field or a lack there of, of a run. I don't think it has anything to do with, with that. I think we're good enough. I think the offensive line was my biggest question going forward. I think the last couple of weeks they were able to prove that they are more than serviceable and multifaceted. It's just going to be, are you going to show up and you're not going to make mistakes against the big boys? That That's what it comes down to. Uh, another sign of improvement, like second week in a row where they were very good on third, third down and fourth down. Um, that's what we saw a lot last year. They were dominant on those third downs. It seems like no matter the down and distance, they were able to pick it up. And today, again, they, they were great on third down outside that turn, those two turnovers. Um, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, I'm not concerned. I think Dayball has, has had a, a couple, you know, let's, let's give it two and a half quarters of very good play calling. And I think hitting adversity the way they did today they didn't they didn't go the same route that they did in Jacksonville. I thought the the end of the, the half played out a lot the way the Jacksonville game did, and I think we came out and tried something different. Um again, I, I we're going to have that run uh that that pass first mentality and that's fine, but if Allen isn't on and the conditions aren't great or favorable, you know, you got to you got to find ways to get Singletary involved. I mean, that guy has been playing at, playing at at a I'm not going to say elite, but maybe great level the past four or five weeks. His running has been nothing short of, of, of hard. He's trucking guys. He's running through guys. He's carrying guys. He's not getting knocked down after first contact. He's hitting the hole much better. Uh, his explosiveness is, is there. He's never going to run away from guys. But again, if you can move the sticks, just keep feeding him the ball. And shout out to uh, Zach Moss because he did the exact same thing. He had a great game as well. Yeah, Zach Moss ran the ball angry today. That was something I really liked to see from him, uh, a player who really hasn't gotten much run in the past couple of weeks in comparison to the first uh, portion of the season. Um, overall, you know, I, I, on that note, I want to ask Bills Mafia, everybody in the comment section, to leave your Brian Dable approval grade. Grade Brian Dable, F through A, of how you felt he, he coordinated this game for the Bills offense today. Um, as, as we said, the adjustments were a big deal today. The adjustments at halftime to, to really kind of, you know, I don't know if they ripped up the game plan. I don't know if, if they pulled it back. Uh, obviously, they went out there on the first series and, he, and Allen threw an interception. It looked to have been tipped right to the linebacker. Um, but he, he threw an interception on the first series. And, you know, I, I thought the offense overall, they did a pretty good job resetting after that interception because, you know, at, at that point, after the third interception, that that was quite uh that was quite interesting that and um you know the one thing i really noticed was just quite how hard Allen was throwing the ball i i know you and i were mentioning it before uh before we came on the on the uh, came live um you know he he was really whipping that thing today and it it was a sight to see when he when he fitted between two defenders right to Cole Beasley on the first series and then he did the very same thing to to Gabe Davis on the next play um, it, it's impressive to see a player so effortlessly whip the ball in the snow like that. It's not really anything that I think a lot of people have seen, you know, it, it, and I, I don't think the narrative of Josh Allen playing poor and weather really, it, it, I, I don't really agree with it personally. I think that, you know, his stats today look far worse than he actually played. Um, you know, he, he, it, it wasn't good when the, when the turnovers were happening, obviously you never want to see a team turning the football over. Um, but the defense definitely came to play today. They came to play, and they definitely made up for some of the mistakes that the offense were making on their end, as as well as um, the the mistake the Bills made, or excuse me, Marquez Stevenson made early on when he was he muffed the punt. Um, I felt like this was a really strong game for the Bills defense. I think they look they they flexed their muscles a lot in this game, and I thought Leslie Frazier called a wonderful game. Uh, Travis, what were your overall thoughts about the Bills defense and their performance against the Falcons today? Just an, another another uh, notch in the belt, if you ask me. Um, my biggest concern the last couple of weeks were the pass rush, and I think they delivered uh, five sacks. You know, we, we did blitz a little bit, but, uh, you know, Rousseau had his uh, strip sack. Uh, Oliver, again, playing out of his mind. Harrison Phillips look at, looking like the uh, the starter next to him, you know, going forward. Um, guys like Anku making plays. Uh, we saw Epinesa with a tackle for loss. I think, I think the the defensive line, although going against an inferior offensive line, I thought they pressured Matt Ryan a lot. If they didn't get to him, um, they were in his face, forcing him to get rid of the ball early. 
the secondary was great. That that first one on one pass uh, down the sideline to uh, Pitts that Dane Jackson broke up was was a nice heady play. I thought um, the only real blemish was that that crossing route where Dane didn't really try to tackle him and uh, Hyde got stiff armed and you know he turned a a twenty five yard gain into I don't know was it sixty plus. Um, couple little run fit issues that, but we're going to see that. I mean, we've, we've kind of spoke on that. It's, it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're number one statistic statistically for a reason. I think they're a playmaking defense. Uh, you know, we got that one turnover would have liked a couple more, but when the, when the, the pendulum was swinging as far as uh, momentum after that third interception, I think Ed Oliver made three plays on his own in a row to get them out of field goal position. And I think moments like that, if the defense can step up and they, they know they have to prevent um, the bleeding and they're able to do that, that's where this team plays in synergy. Because from the moment they got that stop, it was smooth sailing for the Bills then on out. And, uh, you know, not to mention that that uh, fourth, that, that, that goal line stand where, uh, you know, very unfortunate, very uncharacteristic of uh, Matt Ryan to get a taunt, taunting penalty. But boy, does that hurt. Um, I guess I guess you shouldn't talk trash unless you go into the end zone standing up. Yeah, um, you know, this this Bill's defense, I, I don't know, the, the Matt Ryan thing was really funny. It was really funny to me. Uh, <laughs> he, he is a passionate football player. I'm not I'm not a Matt Ryan hater or lover. I, I don't love Matt Ryan and I don't hate Matt Ryan. I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think he's the worst quarterback to ever grace or grace the surface of the NFL. You know, he he's a good player. And it, it was just funny. It's funny because it, it, the, the, the flags weren't really falling both ways today, to say the least. I, I'm not going to get up here and complain about penalties, but. You know, it, it, there was some discrepancy. There were some things where people could have some things to be upset about. And that one kind of made up some things. Uh, that, that was a pretty big flag, too. You're talking about uh, a possession that would have put them one possession down with six minutes left. That's a huge opportunity for their defense. And it really just never materialized after that foul. And it really just was just pretty much game over after the ensuing play on fourth and 16 from a, or fourth and 16 at, on fourth and goal. Um, but. You know, we were talking about you were talking about the Bills' pass rush and how well they performed today. Uh, players like Rousseau, specifically at Oliver. Um, I want to talk about that defensive line. There's a couple things on my mind that going into this game and also coming out of it. Uh, I really like everything about the rotation and the players they had activated today. I really like the players that they had out there, and the only thing I didn't like about it is that Boogie Basham wasn't. Um, I, I I just I don't know. I really don't like the fact that you have two old pass rushers that, you know, Mario Addison got an effort sack today. And that, that is what it is. You know, an effort sack, a, a sack's a sack. But at the end of the day, I think you're losing some very valuable reps for a player that you invested a second round draft pick into to really kind of, you know, that, that that's really what you could say the Bills rebuilt this defensive line or the defensive end room, if you will, over this offseason, the acquisition of both Gregory Rousseau and then the second round Boogie Basham. Um, and, and you could throw F.A. Obata's name in there as well, but he—he's he, just—I—I I don't see him contributing enough. He's—he's he's not getting a large, large enough percentage of the snaps. He wasn't the Bills' second-round draft pick. That's not the point. Um, Bills' second-round draft pick continues to be inactivated in favor of older pass rushers that, you know, I, I just really aren't productive. You know, uh, Mario Addison—he's getting effort sacks. He wasn't. It wasn't necessary. He blew the tackle off the line of scrimmage and he went past him and he, he lit up Matt Ryan. But the case was more so it was an effort sack. And then you see Jerry Hughes, who made a couple boneheaded plays today where he, he messed up a potential sack and he almost he had an, uh, I think he had two or three fouls today as well. And it just every, it really just, just real quick on Jerry Hughes. Every time Matt Ryan was able to extend the play it was because Jerry Hughes went too deep in the pocket. And just mm -hmm. like we've said, half a dozen times on these shows just continuing continually leaving wide open spaces and Matt Ryan not a mobile quarterback being able to make plays due to this so you know just to to piggyback on you i would much rather see boogie basham out there um you know getting better valuable reps than than watching jerry hughes do it over and over again yeah they're they're, they're extremely valuable reps to me in, in the development of 
a defensive end that you're going to have a lot harnessing on next season if the plan of the head rotation is going to be oh we have to call it rotation you have to assume that these guys are going to rotate again because that's really what Sean McDermott likes to do with his defensive line um when you have three guys such as Epinesa Rousseau and then Basham and Basham's really going to be a guy who's green behind the ears a little bit next year who hasn't really you know he's had playing time throughout the season he has two sacks but at the same time you know, he's not getting many snaps. I think this is a point that Jeremy had brought up last week about uh, uh, when the Bills lost those 500 reps when they missed OTAs. And that's all people really wanted to hear, or they, all they really wanted to talk about was the lost reps. You know, these reps that that uh, Boogie Basham isn't getting, that you're giving to other players, such as F.A. Obata. I'll throw F.A. Obata's name out there, too, because F.A. Obata, he's a six foot six project who has some really good tangibles, but he's not a player you invested a second-round draft pick into to really kind of uh, overhaul this defensive line. Uh, Eric Humphrey, I'll get to your question in a moment because it's a good question. It's exactly what I wanted to talk about next regarding the interior defensive line. Um, but just to finish up things with this defensive end room, I, I just want to reiterate the fact that this defensive line, it, 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 I feel like it'd be a little fresher. It'd be a little better with Boogie Basham out there. And it, it'd make a lot more sense to me. Um, are, are, are those guys producing more so than Boogie Basham would in, in, in this instance? I really could not tell you because he hasn't gotten enough snaps in these situations to really kind of fairly evaluate what he'd do in this situation. Um, but in regards to the interior defensive line, Eric Humphrey says, how did you feel about star not starting and not seeing the field much? Um, I want to start off with this because, you know, that talking about the interior defensive line, because I really liked when they threw out star and Eli Ankow at the same time. I think that pairing, that is a beefy pairing. And that's a pairing that the Bills really haven't had the horses to be able to go out there and run for quite some time. Um, I, I'm not going to say one way or another about Star's performance today. Uh, it, it seems like they're really kind of, I, I wouldn't say phasing him out, but they're really, I, I don't really know what they're doing with Star Latule. This is something we talked about last week as to whether, you know, maybe he was pondering retirement. Maybe he wasn't ready to come back because there was a very, there's various different reasons as to why he was missing practices and missing games that weren't necessarily injuries. And, you know, that's nothing you really want to poke or prod at, but at the same time, it's something worth questioning. So um, overall in general, I, I don't really know how to answer the question as to why, uh, or uh, how do I feel about star not starting or playing? Um, I feel like Eli Anko and star and star Latule are doing their jobs when they're lined up at the one technique defensive tackle. And I also think that Oliver and Harrison Phillips are doing their jobs as well. Um, uh, Travis, how, how do you feel about star not seeing the field much? And what do you feel about the bills interior defensive line pairings? As we were talking about earlier with that Oliver. Well, I think it's an easy answer because I think the actual reason why he's not playing as much. I mean, again, say what you will about his play the last half of the season, but Phillips has been outplaying him regardless. Um, so I think you can put any of the speculation to bed because it really doesn't matter. Phillips has shown up. Uh, after a rough season last year, he, he, you know, people forget that Giants game where he got injured. He was playing well, um, and then it took him a long time to get back. You know, these guys are normally you got to remember when you're rehabbing, you are around trainers every single day. You're around doctors, physical therapists, all that. And when you have a major knee surgery and then COVID hits, and then you're kind of just you got to figure it out on your own. That's got to be tough, and you know. Shout out to, to Harrison Phillips. We all know he's a great dude. Everyone wanted him to be the next Kyle Williams. I think that was kind of unfair. Well, definitely unfair, but his play as of late has been great. He's been showing up in the pass rush department, um, and the run stop has been solid. So I like the pairing between him him and Oliver. And like you mentioned, Anku is, is, is a mountain of a man, and uh, having people forget Star Lutulay is not really a one technique. He came in as a very, very athletic three, three technique. So to be, to have him playing next to an actual, you know, nose tackle, uh, I think it's going to help him because he's going to get more one-on-ones. And, you know, if he makes plays great, if not, he's just that, that second rotational guy to uh, take some reps in mid third quarter and, you know, give spell a few guys. But again, I think Harrison Phillips is the key to, uh, having that line. It's like, it's weird. Our, our defensive line is turned into a, uh, a hockey, um, hockey lines, you know, it's like, we're trying to find those right combinations. Yeah. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that has really held them back is the combinations is, you know, constantly rotating these guys in and getting those reps as a defensive front altogether. 
with the same four guys and the same guys behind them. They really haven't gotten many opportunities to do that. And, you know, watching it pretty closely as to how they were subbing players in and out today, it looks like they have definitively figured out what they like as as far as pairings go along the interior in regards to Ed Oliver going with Harrison Phillips, which is absolutely dynamite. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and as well as, you know, sending Star out there a little less, but sending Eli out there with Star, that, that, that's, ch- that, that, that's really good. Like, I, I like the rotations that they have. Um, and like I said earlier, the only thing I don't like about the rotations is not subbing out one of those older players for uh, Boogie Basham. But let's talk about Ed Oliver because, you know, for the last handful of weeks, I come on here and I say, how about we talk about how good Ed Oliver is at football? And today was really the pinnacle of that. Today was quite honestly the best game of Ed Oliver's career to this point. And he's been having a hell of a season these last six or seven weeks. Honestly, he's been a pretty good football player for the last two years. But you're seeing him pop up on the stat sheet. You're seeing him make plays. You're seeing him blow people up. You're seeing him wreck havoc in the backfield on running plays and passing plays. He's just being a dynamic, violent, physical football player, which is everything anyone had hoped for that Ed Oliver could man- or, or manifest into after being selected by the Bills in the first round. And seeing a cap in at this point in his career, it's really fun to watch because, hey, you know, he is really that mismatch up front for that Bills defensive line. He is that guy who is a dog. He plays with with a, a tenacity that you, you know, it, it, he's a very tenacious football player, and it's a lot of fun to watch him go out there and do his thing. Um, he, he's been playing really good ball, and having it culminate into the game that we saw today, it, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. Travis, what were your thoughts on the Bills, uh, on Ed Oliver today, and what and is honestly a really good game? It's going to be nice not to have to really talk about his fifth-year option because we all know it's coming. Um, Listen, this is a guy who's a high draft pick, which uh, he he wore the target on his chest for two two plus seasons with his fan base. Um, not many people were happy with him. Uh, I understand the excuses people made. Oh, you're playing out of position. He really wasn't playing out of position. He just had no one next to him. Um, and you know, not not to make excuses for one, but he made plays that don't show up on the stat sheet. He made good football moves um, that if you don't, if you never played a defensive line, you don't know what that looks like. Um, a lot of, a lot of people watching the game, they, they aren't exactly, you know, they're, they're watching the ball and, and there, there's an art of watching football when you don't even know who has the ball. If you're looking at a position group, like, like the defensive line, I mean, you, you can win a rep and it doesn't show up at all because the guy next to you makes a mistake. Now it's coming in spades. Ed Oliver is taking over drives single-handedly when he's in there. He he really seems to have it all coming together because we knew physically he was there, a little undersized, but able to use his leverage in order to make plays. But now he you can see he has it between the ears. If you listen to his post-game uh, uh, interview, he just basically said, we knew what they were running. If they were giving us this look, we knew this was coming, and I was just going out there and making plays. and. As a as a fast physical guy like him, if, if he's able to do that and react, I mean, he he's he is unquestionably the best player on this defensive line, hands down, and I don't even think it's close. Yeah, and to, to speak of another first round draft pick that looked pretty good today, Gregory Rousseau. Um, you know, it, it, like I said earlier, Mario Addis, and the same could be said of Gregory Rousseau in terms of a, of an effort sack, but it. He made the most of it, forcing a fumble and creating a turnover today. Gregory Rousseau getting hit. What was it? Would it be his third or fourth sack on the year? I don't know. It's, it's somewhere around there. I know it's a little bit. I'm, sure I'm, I'm sure Leroy will say it in the chat. He'll, or somebody will, 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 chat. will correct it. Um, but, you know, it, getting another sack today, looking, you know, looking really good. Attacking the football. That's the one thing that I really like to see from a guy who's a rookie who, you know, he he's – 17 or excuse me 16 games into a season um and attacking the football forcing it out that was a huge moment in the game where they've shifted a lot of momentum um Gregory Rousseau looked pretty good to me today uh how how do you feel about Gregory Rousseau and 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 really just uh the outlook on on his future going forward yeah so you're right it was his fourth sack uh it's good I mean I think after his his really ramp up to the season where he was able to go from this rotational guy who we all expected not to see start to 
pretty much dominate a lot of his reps in preseason to making his way on the starting roster week one. Um, that big play against Kansas City, uh, getting that pick. Um, it really tapered down a little bit, but there's so much that so much more that goes into playing the defensive end position, especially that left side where you're going to be going or the strong side, I should say, um, where you're taking on a lot of those lead blockers, the tight ends. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the sack. So I think overall he's ahead of schedule. Um, I think he's, he's a guy that I was worried about the experience aspect because again, playing one full season at Miami, um, not really a defensive line player prior to that, uh, opting out. You know, he had all these things going against him. And I think when the dust settles, he's going to come out ahead of schedule than a lot of us expected. And something to add to that, to take from my last point, you know, three seasons in, Ed Oliver looks like a different guy, at least to the eye test. You're going to see the same thing with Gregory Rousseau. The only thing is, is he has giant shoes. To, you know, he has this body, he has this frame where he's going to be able to get bigger, stronger, and faster. And he's definitely going to get smarter at the position. So I think, you know, when we have this conversation in three years' time, I think we're going to be very happy with the pick. You know, and towards the end of your point there, you talked about Gregory Rousseau being a smart football player. And I think that is the biggest thing, you know, we, we don't know Gregory Rousseau. For, we don't know him as the guy. We don't know him as the person. We don't go in there and, and watch him get coached and watch, watch him, you know, learn. But we can see it on film. You can see him learn from his mistakes on, almost on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, that's kind of the unexpected aspect of what Gregory Rousseau is. I, I feel like he's a mental sponge. He is really smart. He's really good at executing whatever it is he's trying to fix or learn or train from. A good example of that, you know, this season and just his rapid growth that was unexpected this year is a good example in itself. But today, you know, I saw him talking with his defensive line coach about the technique that the offensive line was using when they were fanning out on him on certain um, – they'd have a crack from the tight end and the offensive tackle would fan out and finish it. Um, and I believe it'd be on stretch plays or toss plays. They'd leave some lanes open for uh, Patterson to get through. Also Davis as well. Um, I watched him talking it over with his defensive line coach, and they went over a certain technique for him to to get past the offensive lineman and do what he to to, to combat what he was trying to do. And you know, after that, I, I watched him make two or three plays along his edge, uh, just just by maintaining his contain and beating his guy off the line of scrimmage and and, and getting his gap. Uh, that, that that's so important, and you know that goes into the point you were make, you were making earlier as to you know Ed Oliver making plays that don't pop up on the stat sheet. So when when Greg Rousseau uh, uh, blows up his guy on the line of scrimmage and it forces Cordero Patterson to run outside, you know it ends up being Taron Johnson who gets the tackle. But really, Greg Rousseau made the play, exactly. and they didn't get they didn't get any yards because you know Taron Johnson made the tackle, but Greg Rousseau filled the gap that they were trying to go into. Um, that that happened a couple of times today. I was just. You know, I, I was pretty happy with how this Bills defense looked. I felt like this was a good game for them to really flex their muscles. I didn't think that I wasn't really afraid of what the uh, what the Atlanta Falcons posed on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like this team would be far different if they had their best offensive player out there, that being Cal Calvin Ridley. I feel like vertically they'd be a much different team. I think everything, uh, uh, the complexity of how you or how you excuse me match up with that offense would would really change entirely if they were to have a, a few players or two. I and, you know, it, it, the, the matter is, is the Bills played who they, who they were supposed to today and they did their job. Um, another thing I don't want to I don't want to fail mentioning on the show is how good this secondary looked. I understand, as I mentioned, they weren't playing that, that, that very talented of a receiving core. But Levi Wallace continues to look as good as he has throughout the duration of his Bills career. And this is about three going on four weeks ever since Trey White has left left the picture and unfortunately went on IR with an injury. Um, that Levi Wallace has continued to look good. He continues to look stout. He doesn't really give much up. There was one play on the sideline that he gave up on third down for, I believe, a six-yard gain. And aside from that, it was all PBUs, and Levi Wallace was nothing but covering his guy and making plays on the football. Um, how did you feel the secondary performed against an underwhelming receiving court for the Atlanta Falcons? As you mentioned, I mean, they, they play the guys in front of them. Um, if people want to make that excuse, well, they played pretty damn good against uh, Tampa Bay when they had a full, you know, a, a full deck of offensive weapons. So, 
you know, to bring your point to Levi Wallace, um, the the only bad thing about this is this is the the classic number two guy who fills in for the the number one shutdown corner on his last uh, year of his contract and gets a huge extension somewhere else to be the number one guy and then kind of disappears. You know, the Ronald Darby type player um, is just somebody that come to mind, but he's really putting it all together. It's great to see what a, a fifth year veteran um, still get better. Uh, one thing that I, I've always been a, a Levi Wallace fan. I mean, for a while, I thought we could do better, but now I, I truly don't. I mean, I don't think that, obviously, if we draft a first-round corner who has better you know, ball skills or physically more gifted, yeah, he can be better, but I think that can be better utilized in other other ways. So I think the cornerback two crowd is going to have to wait again as, as long as we re-sign him. Um, but Levi Wallace has been playing the ball better. He's been getting his head around, which a lot of his past interferences in the past was not because he was out of position, but because he was chasing the play and really picking up that easy um, pass interference call. He made a great play on the ball today where he was, you know, it, there was, there was, uh, it was a little physical and, and the flag stayed in the uh, ref's pocket because he got his head around. And he was able to play the ball. Um, your safeties are, you know, they are who they are, the best combo in the league, if you ask me. Dane Jackson continues to really hold his own. Um, you know, from time to time, is he going to get beat? Yes. But he's he's out there contesting passes, making plays on the ball, and uh, he's never been shy from tackling. So th- this the, the secondary is what it has always been, and it's just really good to see when you lose, you know, a, a top-end talent such as um, – Uh, Trey White, and you don't miss a beat. You know, I'm sure if you go, we're going to go back and kind of see see the stat lines from other games um, in in perspective, and you're really not going to notice a drop off in in the in the passing game um, for the opponent, or or I should say a drop off in our production um, versus the pass. So as a whole, they're great. Um, uh, it, It was. The 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 stiff arm by Pitts was uh was was pretty brutal. Um, that that was a nice play on him, and uh you know like you said, without having Ka- Calvin Ridley and and Pitts in the second half, there's really not much they could do. Um, so the Bills were able to clamp down and kind of focus on stopping the run, and uh, they were able able to do so. Yeah, two players this season on the defensive side of the ball that certainly extent or certainly earned extensions. Uh, Harrison Phillips and Levi Wallace. Those are the first two moves. This offseason for the Bills, the, the, the day after the season's over, I hope I hear about two signings, that being uh, Harrison Phillips and Levi Wallace. Um, and, and as you said about the cornerback two conversation, it, it, it doesn't really seem like it's going to be much of a, much of a conversation because, you know, that, that's really more of a Bills Mafia trumped up thing, is it not? Uh, because when you look at certain aspects, you know, if it's one thing I remember pretty vividly, is Brandon Bean saying that the media made far more of Trent Murphy possibly being cut after the preseason than there was ever really in all reality a likelihood of. I remember that quite vividly. And, you know, that's kind of how I, I, I think of certain topics that people choose, certain hills that people choose to die on. And, you know, really the, uh, the, the Bills defensive backfield is a unit that this coaching staff and this front office instills a load of faith in, a load of faith in. And with two guys such as Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, defensive back-oriented coaches, um, you know, uh, those are guys that I would trust. Uh, I would certainly trust Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott's opinion of their defensive backfield far more than anybody on Bill's Twitter, and that's myself included. And that's Travis included, too, no disrespect yeah. intended. But you see what I'm getting at? You know, this Bill's defense, they've been amongst the top against the past the last handful of seasons. And Levi Wallace has been a part of every single one of those teams over the last four, four years. and he still doesn't get credit. You know, he's on these contracts because of why? Because, well, he's an undrafted free agent who has really made a career for himself and really is starting to stand out, stand out. And I agree with you, Travis. He is a pretty, pretty prototypical player who, you know, the top cornerback goes down. He's going from cornerback to cornerback one, and he has yet to really look bad. He has yet to really get embarrassed the way many people act as if he be- he's been embarrassed before. Um, and, and, you know, this is an excellent point that DM Mag brings up. Wallace is great given the fact that folks avoid white, run multiple routes through his zone, forcing him to decide between them. Thank you. That's exactly what a lot of people fail to notice about Levi Wallace. The fact of the matter is there's one or two routes. 
there's going to be a guy open. That's the way zone coverage works sometimes. That's why some people call it vanilla. That's why some people call it conservative. And that's why sometimes Bills fans want to pull their hair out watching this, watching how the Bills, uh, you know, have stopped the pass in the past. Uh, Levi Wallace, you know, yeah, the cornerback two conversation is dead. I think that you're going to, I think you would find far more first round drafted cornerbacks, not in the top 10, obviously. I'm not talking about guys like Pat Sertain or, or, or players along those lines. I'm talking about guys who get drafted beyond 15. So the second half of the draft, I, there's probably guys who play far worse than Levi Wallace that guys that teams invested a high round pick in. That's a big deal to a team. You know, that that's a Gregory Rousseau. That's an Ad Oliver. That's a tremendous. Well, that was the that's whole a, discussion. Everyone that is thought, the whole, you know, and the Antoine, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, Gregory Rousseau pick. Yeah, Winfield's a great player. Uh, but, um, you know, when it, or excuse me, Asante Samuel Jr., yeah. um, great player. But uh, like, like you just said, this team knows what they want at cornerback. And, and they, in their mind, they say, why, why give up an asset when we already have it on our roster? You know, if you can lock them up for, a very low salary, which I think it's going to go up next year and well deserve it. I mean, yep. the evolution of Levi, Levi Wallace is he's earned his paycheck. Absolutely. Um, you know, before uh, we get out of here, I want to talk about the Bill special teams and I want to talk about the kick that Marquez Stevenson fumbled today. Um, I was watching him warm up. I was watching him field kicks and, you know, I, I was a little, uh, you know, upset at the timidness that he would approach some of these warm up, warm up punts. You know, Matt, Matt Hawks kicking the, kicking the ball 40 yards downfield to his teammate. And, you know, there were times where he could have gotten it, but he didn't really hustle to get it. And it was weird to me. It, it looked like he was timid to catch the ball. And there was a couple times where he field it and he double clutch it. And it's like, okay, that's worth noting. And then there was another, there was another three times where he muffed it. He dropped it. And I thought, oh man, this could be a factor today. And sure enough, it was the first punt. You know, he fielded it, but he should have fair caught it. That, that, at the end of the day, that's yeah. what he should have done. But mistakes happen. He's a rookie. Um, he hasn't had much experience this year. He didn't get activated until the second half of the year. So certain things are going to happen at certain points in the game. That's understandable. And that's quite frankly what it sounded like to me as to why Sean McDermott didn't pull him out of the game, didn't bench him, and didn't replace him at, at punt return duties. And, you know, I, I commend him for that. I, that that's something, um, you know, I don't feel like Marquez Stevenson is a natural returner. And this is something that James Mallory and Jet. And, and Jeremy both talked about in the CFR chat during the game is that he just doesn't look like a natural returner. And I have to agree with that point because, you know, watching him warm up and, you know, it, it is snowy, the ball's slippery, but if there's elements, you have to play through them. It's going to rain. It's going to snow. It's going to be sunny. It's going to happen. So you, you need to learn how to play through them. And if you can't field it in the rain or snow, or you can't really have good ball control, that's not really something I'm interested in. And I, and I can't sit here and say that, you know, Marquez Stevenson isn't guilty of the same things I, I, I have slandered Isaiah McKenzie for because clearly he is because he dropped the football today and it cost the Bills two points. Um, you know, but I'm happy they're giving him an opportunity to redeem himself. After that, though, after the punt return drop, he, he – these kick returns, man, he looks confused. He looks like a 10-year-old in Madden just sprinting two yards out of the end zone and right into the back of, it, of, of, of his it's personal protector. That, yeah. that, and that's what ha – like – what are you doing, man? Like that, that is what that frustrated me. The fact that he did that three or four times that frustrated me far more than the muff kick because muff kicks happen, you know, dropping punts and fumbling the ball in the snow happens, but running into your running into your blockers, that's just poor instincts on a football player. Travis, what do you think of the bills return unit and uh, what, what it really could look like in the future? Well, you, you brought up great points and I don't disagree with any of them. Although I do, um, I care way more about fielding punts than the kick return, just because chances are you're going to have to feel, you're going to have to feel the punt all the time, unless you let it bounce into the end zone or out of play. Neither, neither McKenzie or Stevenson are natural fielders of the ball. Um, I watch them a lot in the practices that were open to the public and neither of them fielded particularly well. I thought McKenzie would, at least when he was going to catch the punts, he did it better than Stevenson, but I saw a lot of the same things from McKenzie where it was, if it was in between, if he, if the ball wasn't kicked right to him or somewhere near him, he kind of, you, you could see him thinking through, should I feel this? Should I let it bounce? And can kind of get stuck in no man's land. And we, that's hurt us on kickoffs and punts um, with both these guys. So I think that the unfortunate thing is Isaiah McKenzie with the ball in his hands, once he's able to feel that ball, 
I think he's head and shoulders better than on Stevenson's on both aspects. I think he can find the hole on those kickoffs. Like you said, he's not running in the back of his guy all that often. And he was giving us favorable field position, but I, to me, and I know to McDermott's point, he is not going to put up with that. The, the, uh, the, 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 the lack of care of the ball. And if you're not able to field it, I mean, after that punt, uh, that muff punt, I sent a tweet just saying, you know what, just just send Micah Hyde back there, have him fair catch the ball, and give our ball the offense. I, I've kind of conceded it from now. We don't have Andre Roberts, who scored a kickoff return for a touchdown today, by the way. Uh, we don't have that guy on the roster this year. Um, I don't think we're going to see any headway, uh, any any you know. There's there's nothing that's going to make these guys better overnight, and I I just don't think, like you said, they I don't think they're natural returners of the ball. So, you know. I would totally be be fine with Micah Hyde just fair catching every punt. I can live with that. And then half of the the kickoffs are going to go out of the end zone anyway. So you kind of take what you give there. But I just don't want to lose possessions, especially to an inferior team. I mean, everything that happened today was a recipe to lose to an inferior team. You know, turn the ball over, special team plays. You know, I had all the fixings for it. Luckily, we were able to to, uh, to stifle it. Uh, stifle it. But yeah. Uh, I don't think we have a, a true returner. You know, you brought up great points. Yeah. Um. You know, I really, uh, I was quite surprised that the Bills couldn't steal a possession on special teams today. And I, I was a little disappointed, quite frankly, too, because you know, Tyler Bass, they were trying to kick it short, but he just, could, the wind was just a little too much going towards the tunnel end of the end zone. Um. And he couldn't take enough off of it to the point where it forced them to return it and the, and the, and the unit could make a play. That That was a little disappointing. But in regards to the return unit, and in regards to really just wrapping up this show and talking about the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I think the Bills need number 84 from that other team as soon as possible. I think they need to sign Cordero Patterson to be their satellite back, to be their, to be their hybrid player on offense that they could throw in the slot, they could throw outside, they could throw in the backfield, they could throw him anywhere. He's a playmaker. Just don't run screen after screen after screen after screen. With and he's not a, a wasted roster spot right. as he's a special not a wa- teamer. And then he's going to be a return man on punts and yeah. kicks. And then he, he's a dynamic football player on the off. All right. I guess we lost Clayton. Um, I guess that'll wrap up the show. Uh, you guys can uh, drop down into the comment or the uh, description below. Follow Clayton on uh, on all the social media plat- plat- ugh, platforms. Um, and you know we'll always be here. Yeah, he took a nap. <laughs> you know we'll always be here uh, pre pre game and post game. Um, but yeah, we were about to wrap the show up anyway. So uh, yeah, on that note, uh, go Bills. Uh, have a good one, everybody.